0: Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at Babbel.com slash BlueWire. That's 60% off at Babbel.com slash BlueWire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash BlueWire. Rules and restrictions apply.
1: Before we get started with this episode of Bench with Bubba, or should I say Bubba in the Batflip episode two, I want to talk to you about Draft. Draft Draft.com, Draft in your app store. They sold out. They finished. They filled The NFL Best Ball Minis. And what they do? They brought out a whole new platform for everybody to check out. They also have the mega $3.5 million guarantee best ball drafts for NFL. got preseason NFL coming up real soon. they got PGA this weekend with the Wyndham Classic. So much going on at Draft.com. And if you are new, go to Draft.com or Draft in your app store. Download the app. Use promo code SDSPORTS and you'll get a free $3 entry to any tournament of your choice. Go to Draft.com, Draft in your app store, promo code SDSPORTS. Check them out. Also, check out Thrive Fantasy. It's a cool way to play DFS. It's prop bets. Uh, does all the sports. They just introduce golf. Uh, if it's golf, it's five picks. If it's other sports, it's ten picks. It's prop bets. Really cool stuff. Uh, you take the over or the under. If it's the over is a chalky play, it's a smaller point total. If you take a gamble and take the, 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 the dog play, you get more points. Really cool format, lots of fun. And if you're new to Thrive Fantasy, you download the app, you make your first deposit of at least $10 or more. Use promo code SPORTSDGENS and you get a free ten dollar into the account. And you're good to go. Use it for whatever you want. Play one little game. Take it out. I don't care. Go to Thrive Fantasy and check that out. Lastly, if you give myself and Toby rating reviews on my podcast and on Batflip Crazy, we'd really, really appreciate it. We love doing this. It's a ton of fun. I hope you guys are enjoying it. The feedback has been great. And there are hopefully many, many more to come. So with that being said, welcome to Benches Bubba episode 194. Bubba and the Batflip episode 2. And welcome back, everybody, to another edition, the second edition of Bubba and the Bat Flip. You can find me on Twitter at BD Intric and uh, my co-host on Monday nights. You can find him on Twitter at Bat Flip Crazy. Toby, how are we doing, man?
2: We are doing good, Bubba. Super excited to be recording episode two here. I'm glad uh, you invited me back to the program, uh, given my <laughs> long-windedness. Um, but it, it feels nice to uh, uh, to be understood, I guess. Oh no, there was no, no not
1: having you back, so this is going to be fun, this is a uh, a weekly occurrence no matter what goes on, so we'll continue to do it, and uh, I want to say thank you to everybody for the, the kind words, it seemed like it went over pretty well and people really enjoyed it, so uh, we'll hope to keep bringing that uh, awesome, awesome stuff for you, for your fantasy baseball season, and we got a good one good one going on today so let's just get right at it Toby uh from recent news we'll start off with the prospect from the Toronto Blue Jays Bo Bichette he gets the call so now we got Bichette Biggio, Vlad Guerrero, the works uh GFBI this week because he didn't play till today but uh, everywhere you look all the big prospect guys are saying he's a must add you got a base hit already tonight you have anything on Bo Bichette with the Toronto Blue Jays
2: yeah, I mean, nothing probably outside of what folks have heard. I think uh, I was joking around on Twitter that it was really nice of the Blue Jays to uh, bring up Bichette right now as he gets to face the KC and, and Baltimore pitching staff since uh, you know he's very familiar with AAA pitching. But uh, I, I'm really looking forward to the speed. I mean, speed has been missing from the game. I'm interested to see what Bichette does. He obviously comes with uh, a lot of pedigree. I think he's on most folks, especially fantasy baseball uh, uh, prospect guys, like top five list, if not uh, higher than that. 16 stolen bases and 250 plate appearances this year. 32 last year, I think, in slightly over 500 plate appearances. And so that is, uh, that is really nice uh, for fantasy owners who are desperate uh, for speed. And so I think that's what folks will be looking forward to. And just doing a little reconnaissance, uh, he does only have a 45 speed grade on Fangraphs graphs um, for both his current and future uh, speed tool. And so I'm not sure whether he just doesn't have a ton of speed, but he's a smart base runner um, and that's how he steals his bases or whatnot. But I'm very interested to see how it translates since with guys like Nicky Lopez and others, we've been promised speed and we've been a little disappointed. How are you? Uh, how are you feeling about Bouchette?
1: Yeah, I'm pretty much with you. We get some speed. Um, they had Kevin Biggio lead off tonight, which is good to see. He had a nice game. Um, Bichette, I think, was hitting sixth, if I remember correctly. Yeah. So they're an easy, there's going to an his way in there. But like you said, he's got a ton of speed. I actually listened to um, the Welsh from In This League, big prospect guy. He was saying from what he saw from Bichette in the fall league, I believe, is the swing is very aggressive, very powerful. So it's got some fine tuning. It's very raw. So kind of like his dad. I like Bichette's. Yeah. Um, so, like, that's what he described to that. It, it's too it bad he's like, not
2: hitting in cores.
1: <laughs> exactly. Like, when he described him, I'm like, that sounds just like his father. Shocker. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, so lots to like uh, with this. And, yeah, I, I, at this point in the season, if you got fab left, knock it out. I'm pretty sure we'll be, next Monday night we'll be talking about whoever had the most fab left probably got Bo Bichette. <laughs> um, let's go to some trade talk. Next week we might have even more to talk about. The deadline's on Wednesday. But. Yep. We got a few things starting to happen here. Uh, the New York Mets surprised some people, I guess is the right way to say it. They, uh, they acquired Marcus Stroman, who they have another year, year of eligibility with next season, which is nice. But uh, they got Stroman for a couple minor league arms. Uh, many people had opinions on this. When it comes to fantasy, Toby, what are we thinking with Stroman with the Mets?
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, Stroman is a guy who I, who hasn't, he's not always on the top of my radar just because of his approach. Uh, you've probably heard it before, but he relies heavily on contact, a lot of ground balls, but he's shown a skill. I mean, he's shown repeatedly, and, you know, Saris was highlighting this as well. Like he's shown the skill of limiting home runs, like having a low home run per fly ball rate, a low home run per nine. Um, and so for that reason, I think there's some value here. Uh, we've heard, you know, the Mets don't have a great defense, but they do have the same, pretty much the same, uh, batting average on ground balls as the Blue Jays uh, did this year. So I don't expect that to have a, to make a huge difference necessarily. Uh, Stroman is is okay from a skills perspective. His control metrics are a little worse than league average, thirty one percent O swing, so right at league average under on first pitch strike at 59.5% and zone percentage at 39.2%. 38% of his pitches this year have been balls, which is worse than league average as well. He only has a 6.5% walk rate, which is you know a little below league average. I think one of the reasons is because he does give up so much contact. So whenever he's in the zone, when folks are swinging, uh, they're making contact generally. Uh, strikeout skills also uh, below – um, below league average, only a 19.6% K rate. So in today's game, you have to be really good with the ratios if you're not going to get the Ks. Uh, the wins, you know, a little bit of a push, maybe a little bit of a bump uh, in that uh, In that case. You know, so he's he's fine. He's He'll be some ratio help. Um, I don't expect too much to change in, you know, how he performs moving from the Blue Jays and the Mets. Uh, what about you?
1: Yeah, I'm with you. I don't see a ton to change. Um... You know, defensively, reports are the Mets aren't as good, but, you know, Sarah's kind of clowned on that quite a bit. Um, the thing with Stroman, I'm a lot like you. He's never really on my radar because when I'm looking fantasy guys, I'm looking guys that can strike guys out, and Stroman's really not that guy. Um, and in this era of pitch to contact, it's scary. Now, sure, he's getting a ton of ground balls, which helps immensely, like you were mentioning, but uh, he's just never a guy that really stands out on my radar or something to, to go after. Um, heck you might get flipped again and go somewhere else the way chatter's going out. We don't even know right now, but um, it's an interesting move for the for the Mets, you know, going to the national League helps, but I don't know it, it just stood out kind of as a weird overall type uh, situation uh, in that move and two okay prospects coming back, but I not educated enough to talk on those guys.
2: Yeah uh, and, and if you were a, if you were a betting man, what would you say? Come Thursday, what are we looking at with the Mets pitching staff? Like, who's there and, and who's not? Wheeler's got to go. Like, well, the thing is, if the
1: Mets are getting strong. It's, it's a weird move because you could say they're planning for next season because he's eligible for arbitration and so on and so forth. But if they're trying to bolster their situation, then why would you get rid of Wheeler? But you can get a lot back from Wheeler. Basically what I'm saying in a roundabout, tongue-tied way is Wheeler should be traded, um, even though everything points to Thor getting traded, which just makes zero sense to me at all out of the two options, but uh, Brody Van Wagenen's just been weird to begin with. So we guess we'll see. What do you think?
2: Yeah. I I mean, it's like every, every hour is something different. It seems like the relationship is really strained with Cindergaard, but at the same time, like you mentioned, he has more control um, than Wheeler does. And, you know, Wheeler now is reportedly a target for the Astros, which would be super interesting to see. But, you know, then they're keeping Stroman. And, you know, so are they playing for next year? Or are they not playing for next year? If they're playing for next year, then keeping Syndergaard and getting rid of Wheeler seems to make the most sense. I think that will end up being what it what happens. But what I'm really interested to see, too, is what happens with Edwin Diaz. You know, they gave up Jared Kalenic, who is turning out to be like a stud. You know, I, I think he's going to be a really good player for a long time for the Mariners. And so if he trades Diaz, it'll be interesting to see what that prospect return is because, you know, when you factor in the fact that, you know, they've added the the bloated contract of Robinson Cano, that could look like a really bad deal um, uh, after the trade deadline. It's a good thing you mentioned that because the Diaz one that ramped up
1: pretty, pretty good today with like the Red Sox and one other club, really looking at Diaz that could use a closer. And, you know, everyone's saying he had a down year this year. Yes, he's been down, but, if anybody thought he was gonna do what he did last year, is crazy at the same time. But uh you said it. They gave up Klinik, who's already up in Modesto now, crushing single baseball. Um, he's looking like the stuff like it, it was pretty crazy to see a like top like six or seven pick get traded right after he gets drafted to for a closer and an old man in Cano. So yeah, that could be a big one because they're not gonna match that return at all. They're gonna hope you're probably hoping like when we talk, you know, fantasy trades. They're hoping for like seventy-five cents on the dollar from what they paid for that one. I mean, they they might feel okay with with that scenario. So it'll be interesting to see what happens because, yeah, that's already and Diaz still has a few more years left on his deal. So
2: who knows? Definitely, uh, I've got some. I've got some breaking news, Baba. What do we got? Luis Urias has hit his first major league home run. I think. I was
1: wondering, are you watching it live
2: by chance? Uh, I'm not watching it by live. I am. I like to think of myself as as a decently talented person. I don't think I could podcast and watch the game live at the same time. Um, my well, talents but, do not do not include uh, <laughs> multitasking to that degree. Um, when we
1: were talking just a second ago about uh, when you're asking me about Wheeler, I got tongue tied for a second because I'm watching it live on MLB Network, I and it when I was we were talking about Strowman and I said with the with the the juice ball or whatever you want to call it. It's good he keeps it on the ground, and they showed a replay of his home run, and it was the most juice ball home run I think I've ever seen. It was like right. he, he looked like he ins- – I'm going to say inside out is the nice way he did it. He looked like he got around late on the ball and went oppo, oppo on it, and it just stayed fair down the right field line. Mm. So uh, obviously a highlight again, but it, it looked like it was aided by the, uh, the culture of today.
2: Definitely. Yeah, let me um, – one thing I did want to mention on Urias because we talked about him last week is he has a pretty significant um, differential between his um, expected WOBA and his uh, WOBA. Um, and so that is something that's uh, pretty interesting. Like He, he obviously haven't, hasn't started out well. I'm trying to get it up here because I lost it for a second. Yeah, so he has a 197 WOBA, but a 309 expected WOBA for the year. That's a 112-point differential. And so, yes, he's been, he's been bad. Um, but he hasn't been as bad as, um, as, as the performance has indicated. So we may see some – this may be the start of, of some better news for Arias.
1: Let's hope so. And David Hess back in the majors tonight has really helped with four home runs against the Padres. So <laughs> it's welcome back David Hess tonight. And he's, he, he has not disappointed at all. No. Uh, let's go to another trade. The Tampa Bay Rays acquired Eric Silgard. And when I got this trade, literally our buddy Yancey, I texted him and I said, how many infielders do the Rays need? Like this, just this trade made no sense unless it's typical Rays. Hey, we're going to trade X, Y, and Z because we have so much talent. Blah 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 blah. I don't understand this trade at all. Do you have anything from a fantasy aspect here?
2: Uh, not much from a not much. I think to add. I mean, I think the the big thing I've seen people discussing on Twitter. and I think this is a really good point. Is is just what it means for Brandon Lau and his return this year. He's obviously got this mystery kind of leg issue. That doesn't seem to get be getting better. And so that, that I think is, is an interesting point. Uh, he's a nice addition for the Rays. He's a super Rays player, I feel like. Really nice contact skills, 95% in the zone, 90% overall. Really low K rate, solid discipline with a 26% O swing. That's 5% better than league average. Uh, I think you know he should be able to bat atop the lineup for the Rays, I think, um, against right-handed pitchers at least. Um, And so whether or not, you know, I I had initially in my notes that maybe this moves allows D'Arnaud to bat in the middle of the lineup, you know, every single day, but against lefties, he probably still uh, hits at the top of the lineup. Um, He has been outperforming his metrics so far this year. So guard a 358 WOBA versus a 301 expected WOBA, which is not good. His 10 home runs come on only three barrels. And there, it's more than three times his, his previous career high of three home runs, and so you know obviously the reduced drag ball can do a lot of things. That seems a bit magical to me, um, and so I wouldn't wouldn't uh, I wouldn't expect him to continue the production necessarily uh, moving forward.
1: Yeah, I'm with you there. T- Toronto's a livelier ballpark than Tampa, and I don't think the everyday at bats are going to be there like they were for him in Toronto with uh, the biggest thing, like you said, like, it tells us Brandon Lau is probably a lot worse off than we expected. So I think that's the biggest takeaway there, but we'll see the rays They do crazy things. They do crazy, crazy things. <laughs> Not really um,
2: smart things though. <laughs> yes.
1: That's the thing I do like about them. I'm with you there. Like, it's crazy, but smart. Everyone thought the opener was crazy. Now it's sweeping the nation. So, uh, go figure. But Kevin Cash, I said he should have got manager of the year last year. I, he's, he's just innovative. I love it. Um, Minnesota Twins, they've needed bullpen help, and people ridiculed me for this, but I said, hey, at least they're trying. Sergio Romo might not be the dominating guy he once was, but he's still been very effective in recent years, either as closer, setup man, opener for the Rays. You name it. Sergio's done it, just hops from team to team, and he's got that just boomerang slider that doesn't look crazy good, but it gets guys out. Um, he's going to get some back end work. I doubt closing, but we'll see. Sergio with the Twins.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, I think it's a, it's an interesting acquisition to the Twins. It actually sounds like they gave give up the most, um, you know, like a pretty good piece. Uh, I can't remember what his name is. Something something Lewin. I'm not a prospect guy. Lewin Diaz. Lewin, Lewin Diaz, Diaz. Who apparently has been, been performing pretty well this year. Uh, for Romo, um, I think he gives them a righty specialist out of the bullpen. He's been solid this year. CSW is at 32.3%. That's better than league average. He gets folks to chase a ton outside the zone, 41% uh, O swing. Uh, that helps limit walks uh, for him, which is, which is important. Like you mentioned, he doesn't strike guys out like he, did, like he used to. His slider is still useful, a 16.6% swinging strike rate, and gets a lot of those uh, swings on pitches outside the zone. I actually think that for fantasy owners, this could be a bummer um, because I think what may end up happening, uh, I don't know if they'll put him in this high leverage of situations right away. But what I could see happening is uh, Romo and Taylor Rogers being kind of the lefties and righties in, in high leverage situations, including save situations where, you know, if there's some righties coming up, you have Romo coming in to face them. If you have Rogers, uh, or if you have lefties coming up, that Rogers faces them and kind of doing a little mix and match towards the back end of the bullpen. It's solid for the Twins in a baseball sense. Romo against righties is holding them to about a 250 WOBA. Rogers against lefties is holding them to about a 250 WOBA, not as good against hitters from the opposite side. And so I think that might end up being what happens. It would fit in with the Twins' philosophy of kind of um, not really sticking with one closer throughout the year. And so I think overall it's going to be a bummer for fantasy owners because I think it'll take away a little bit from Rogers and Romo won't be as valuable as he was with the Marlins, obviously. but. In a baseball sense, it seems like a good move for the Twins.
1: Yeah, seems like a good move for them. Uh quick thing on Lewin Diaz. I looked up his numbers real quick. He's been in high A and double A this year in 90 games. He's hitting 294 with 19 home runs, 27 doubles. Uh, no steals, but it's looks like a pretty decent average power guy. He had a down 2018, but in like 17, he hit 292 with 33 jacks. Uh, and in 16, and 46 games, he hit uh, oh, he had 12 homers in 17 and 33 doubles he had 9 homers and 15 doubles with a 3.10 average in only 46 games in 2016. So, a little bit of pop in that bat that could be a nice little return for the fish as they continue to to build things over there. Uh, it's going to be a long process, but slowly but surely Jeter's getting things going there. Slowly might be the keyword. Yeah. Uh, the New York Yankees, this is kind of interesting. CC Sabathia has been serviceable at times. This year the last few outings have been a little rough for CC. He goes on the 10-day IL with right knee inflammation. This could be just, hey, take a breather. This could really be something we don't know. But just overall, you have any thoughts on CeCe? Like I said, he's been serviceable this year, but maybe not like the go-to guy.
2: Yeah, you know, I I, I unfortunately had him in one of my – actually, I think I, I might have been TGFBI. I had him in for his last two starts. I went after the two-start week, and it was not kind to me last week. Um You know, his overall line does not look good, but I agree he is serviceable. He's really been killed by the home runs this year. 2.4 home runs per nine, a 21% home run per fly ball rate this year. You just have to wonder how much of that is a lack of command as a result of the knee injury. You know, just not being able to step and stride in the same way that he usually would. Um, Other than that, like the skills are serviceable. His uh, swinging strike rate is above league average. Uh, called and swinging strike rate is slightly below league average. K minus walk rate a little bit below league average, but he's been very unlucky. A three sixty woba versus a three eighteen expected woba. So I'm interested to see when he comes back from from the from the IL, um, because you know he was going to have another tough matchup this week against the Red Sox. I believe next week the Yankees have the Orioles and the Blue Jays or or essentially the equivalent of that. Yeah, they have the the Orioles and then the Blue Jays and then the Orioles again. God, those Yankees are going to feast uh, next <laughs> week. Um, and so, wow. you know, it may be a nice a nicer matchup than he was going to get otherwise if he can come off uh, the DL at a normal, um, you know, uh, around that time.
1: Yeah, no, those are going to be some phenomenal matchups. Kind of really, really mad now in the Barf League. I don't know if Gary Sanchez for a little while. That's going to suck. That would have been a nice little run to have him through. But yeah, the Yankees yeah. might just... Break records in about for the next ten days or so. Um, the Royals—they made some moves. Uh, they got rid of Lucas Duda, and they brought back a, a guy that I know you and I have talked about in the past, that either together or on separate shows. But Ryan O'Hearn gets the call back. He had a really slow start to the year, but in Triple A, he had two ninety-five with nine home runs. You know, you lowered the uh, the strikeout rate about twenty-one percent. Things looked much better for our Triple A, grain of salt, all that good stuff better and maybe you know you can finish the year strong and take it into 2020 do you have any uh input on maybe grabbing on her the rest of the way or just thoughts on him
2: yeah i mean i think in in deeper leagues if you're looking for power he's worth a speculative ad you know i'm kind of i kind of want to see a little bit how he does and how they employ him my guess is that he's going to be on the strong side of a platoon for the rest of the season at first base maybe a little bit at at dh as, um, you know, the Royals really need to get a get a look at whether he's part of their future or not. Um, you know, the challenge with O'Hearn so far this year, you know, he actually improved his contact rate earlier this year. It was up 5%, but his hard hit rate was down 7%. Uh, his ground ball rate was up 16% to 50%. His barrels per plate appearance was down to 4.5%. And, you know, the exit velocity and stat cast data was... was kind of one of the foundations to his breakout at the end of last year. And so the fact that he's hitting so many balls on the ground was a huge problem for a slow power hitter. Uh, in AAA, he rectified that a little bit. His ground ball percentage was down 12% at 39%. Like you mentioned, he did hit for some power, although, you know, it's like the the happy fun ball magnifying in AAA right now. So I, I think there's some potential for power here. I would monitor that ground ball percentage Uh, pretty closely as he plays to see if there's any improvement there Um, but again if you're desperate for power I think in 15 team leagues you could speculate on him um, you know or just kind of monitor and see how he does uh, in the next little bit yeah
1: I'm really curious to see how he does here the 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 rest of the way is you know outside of maybe the Indians getting it going with their starters and the twins here and there get some games against the uh, the Tigers and the White Sox might get some confidence back as well so be fun to see there with Ryan O'Hearn. Uh, the Atlanta Braves hit a bit of a speed bump here. Dansby Swanson, Nick Markakis, both in the IL. Uh, Swanson hopefully not too bad, only out for a short period of time with the right foot contusion injury. Where well, Markakis has a fractured right wrist and he might be out. He's out six to eight weeks. So yeah, you know how that goes middle of September, basically done. Uh, Ncierte gets a big boost from that and a few other aspects. What's your thoughts on uh, the Braves IL situation slash openings maybe in fantasy but b- baseball
2: yeah i i um i think that uh Markega's, like you mentioned is a drop pretty much everywhere except for the deepest leagues you know the, the swanson injury it sounds like you said that he's going to be back soon which is great um you know swanson's made a lot of progress i've covered him a few times on my podcast um his hard hit rate is up seven percent his barrels per plate appearance is up at seven point seven percent So he's really been able to improve his quality of contact this year, and he's done that by improving his uh, plate discipline. His O swing is down 9% from well worse than league average to better than league average, and he's managed to hold his contact rate the same. Uh, That coupled with the ball, 17 home runs, seven stolen bases, really solid, and he's actually been a little unlucky. 358 expected WOBA versus a 338 WOBA, so hopefully he's back soon and back. Continuing that upward uh, trend in his uh, career offensive trajectory, there. Um, Like you mentioned, I think Ender Inciarte is a big uh, is a big add for some folks. I'm not a huge Inciarte fan. I actually didn't go after him really hard. Um, You know, there's the potential for speed, but really, since the beginning of last year, he hasn't stolen um, that much. He's going to be batting, uh, you know, back in the lineup. He's not going to hit for power. Um, you know, and even the batting average is a little bit suspect for him. And so he's not a guy that I'm looking for, uh, desperately, you know, maybe in 15 teamers, uh, just cause he's going to get playing time and outfield is thin. Uh, but it's a bummer. I mean, Marquecas is, was doing Marquecas things. He's somebody you could rely on. Um, and I don't think you can necessarily do that with Enciarte, but he may be worth that gamble. How are you feeling about Enciarte? Uh,
1: yeah, the thing with Inciarte is you, you want him for his speed, but like you said, after the early start last year, it went away. And when it went away is when he stopped leading off. When he was leading off, he's running like crazy. When they switched things around, gave Acuna and those boys some time up top, it made them a lot better, but it really hurt Inciarte. And like you said, he's hitting, I think, seventh most nights in that order. So that's not going to be good for him at all. Like I, I could see in a deep league using him and hope you run into some stolen bases because stolen bases are so hard to come by, maybe – they move him around. Maybe he gets some action here and there. You never know. But uh, all in all, not I wasn't as hyped as everybody else was. Like you said, I went, I went spend money on like Sh-Srimski and some other guys going to Coors this yeah. week or something along those lines and go and get uh, NCRT right now. So we'll wait and see how that goes. Um, John Means, I realize this now after I typed this up yesterday, is coming. Uh, he's on the IL, but he'll be back later this week. So knock on wood, nothing serious, but. You know, going into the All-Star break, obviously, an All-Star is pitching great. Little rocky road since he's come back before he went on the IL. Do you find anything you still like with John Means? Because it seemed like everybody in, in the area, in the industry, was starting to buy into him. They loved his pitch mix. This is a different guy. And then he started getting shelled. He's on the IL. So is there still hope for a guy like
2: John Means? I'm surprised he's back so quickly. I think it was like inflammation of the rotator cuff, if I'm remembering correctly, that the injury was. Um, you know, uh, for me, I'm, I'm not really interested in, in means. I mean, even in 15-team leagues, I'm really not that interested. If you look at him from a skills perspective, he's got limited K upside, a 19.3% K rate. Um, his walk rate is at 6.3%, but none of the control metrics really support that. Uh, every single one of them is uh, below league average. 38% of his pitches are balls this year versus 36% uh, being league average. Um, So he's due regression in the control department. His CSW for the year is at 24.3%. That's 4% lower than league average. Swinging strike rate below 10%. He's pitching on the Orioles. So, so access to wins is going to be very limited. He doesn't throw a ton of innings. Um, For me, he's just a guy I feel like there's higher upside folks out there, some of them that we're going to talk about later on in the show. And so I'm, I'm really not interested in means except for in maybe some of the deepest uh, formats like AL only.
1: Yeah, he's just a deep streamer for me for the most part. Like, if matches, matchups dictate it, sure. Going in Toronto or, or certain deals, I could see it, but it's just too hard with, with the week to week matchups with what he's going to be. Like, if he was pitching in San Diego this week, okay, we could sit and talk about it. We could have a discussion, mm-hmm. but um, they're not all great matchups like that when you play in the AL East. So we'll wait and see there. The Arizona Diamondbacks they brought up maybe one of the one of the most expensive players on their roster <laughs> from AAA. I remember when they signed Monty Tomas back in the, the 2015 now, how everyone was so excited, big slugger from Cuba. And he had a couple okay years and then just went downhill rapidly in about 2017. Well, this past year in AAA, he hit 305 with 29 homers, you know, the lowest K percentage he's had his career, just below 25%. Signs looked good again could be the triple a baseball but um is there any reason like some guys were wanting to grab him and get some power down the stretch here what's your thoughts on his money tomas
2: yeah i'm not that interested at this point um you know he's been up now for i think three or four days counting today i want to say he's got uh, a total of three at bats um during that time uh so oh i guess uh yeah three at-bats in three games with two strikeouts. So he doesn't seem to be a real clear part of the plan uh, moving forward. Um, He wasn't in the lineup tonight. Um, So I'm not really interested in him um, at all. It could be that some sort of trade. I know the D-backs are are sellers right now, it sounds like, in the market. So maybe a trade uh, opens up an opportunity. Maybe Gerard Dyson is traded, something like that. But barring that, I really don't see much of an opportunity um, for Tomas, though I do understand, you know, that the batted ball quality that he has produced even in his major league career at different points, um, especially with the, with the, with the ball the way it is, it can be intriguing, especially in deeper leagues.
1: Yeah, it's tough. Like you said, he's not even getting starts right now. So how do you really, how do you really buy into that? That's the uh, the tough point there. The power, that's never been the issue with him. He hits lefties well. It's been hitting righties, playing every day, so on and so forth. It's always been Yosemite and problem. Not to mention just the, the, the special baseball they're playing with in AAA. He played in Reno, which is, wow. uh, for some that don't realize, is a, a higher elevation. Um, the ball in the PCL in general flies. I, I'm not going to try to take away what he did, but at the same time, this grain of salt situation here, and take a step back and see what really might be taking place but hey maybe he'll figure it out and more power to him
2: yeah one guy one guy i'd love to see get an opportunity before him is kevin crone because that yeah exactly super interested i mean he's more a part of their future and so if they do move folks i'd love to see him get an opportunity he'd definitely be somebody i'd be monitoring to see what happens with the d-backs at the deadline because if he gets regular at bats you know we you could be talking about 10 to 15 home runs uh rest of season yeah, because they're like
1: you said, they're talking about selling now, so it can get open up all kinds of times for some of these guys. So could be very, very interesting there. Let's throw the Arizona we'll stick with the Arizona Diamondbacks. Um Greg Holland, you know, we've seen this with Holland and actually we've seen it with Diamondbacks closers. Don't want to bring up a, so, a sore spot for you, but we've seen this <laughs> yeah. with Diamondbacks closers. Um great starts to the year. They're no
2: they no Brad Box burgers,
1: that's for sure. <laughs> but they they slowly deteriorate, it seems like as the season goes on. And Greg, <laughs> Holland, Greg Greg Holland, like you could see it coming oh, like a mile away. He finally the, the smoke and mirrors disappeared and the magician, you know, it was over. But um Yohan Lopez, Hiriano might get spots. Holland's just getting a break, they say, but I don't see him getting the job back anytime soon. What's your take on the Arizona closing situation?
2: <laughs> yeah. It's like, Fernando Rodney, Brad Boxberger, Greg Holland, dear Diamondbacks, please invest in some quality relievers. Yep. Um, so Holland, yeah. I mean, uh, Holland had that disaster start. I, I had Holland in a couple places. He had that disaster outing against the Dodgers where he, you know, he got like two outs and then he walked – the bases loaded and then walked in a run and then whoever took over for him walked in a run. It was just ugly. And that made me look at the underlying metrics and the the velocity had been going down. The underlying metrics had been terrible for a while and it just hadn't shown up in his performance since then. He's been awful. Thankfully he had like a little bit of a a run there where he was managed to somehow cobble together like three or four saves over a couple of weeks without having any disasters. Um, And that's all you could really hope for. But, Over his last 15 games, he has probably the worst control metrics, combination of control metrics I have ever seen in my life. A 24.8% O swing, so that's like close to 7% worse than league average. A 32.7% zone percentage, that's 12% worse than league average. 42.6% first pitch strike, that's like over 20% below league average. 45% of his pitches were balls, which is like 9% higher than league average. Not surprisingly, he has a 20.4% walk rate over that period of time, normally (laughs) triple uh, the league average. And then his K skills aren't that good either. 27.7% CSW, that's worse than league average. 8.9% swinging strike rate, worse than league average. They're all worse than league average. A 22.2% K rig. So his K minus walk rate as a closer as a big league closer over the last 15 games, has been 1.8%. So that just doesn't play. He had another blow-up today. He's not going to get regain the closer role. He's not good anymore. Looking at the available options, I like Yoshi Hirano. We don't like to think about it, but the financial perspective I think is really important. The D-backs have shown that they care about it by keeping uh, Archie Bradley out of the closer role. Even though I'm not a huge fan of his, they've kept him out of the closer role, I think, primarily for that reason suppress our salary versus uh during arbitration yuan lopez has been good but he's been relying on a very low BABIP and a very high strand rate which doesn't belie the skills that he has um you know and, and they want to suppress his salary and so i think carano is the guy he's on a contract already having come over from japan he's been really good recently at least from a strikeout perspective 15.6 percent swinging strike rate Z contact, a 37.5% K rate. Those are all really, really good. He does have a 15.6% walk rate over that period of time. So the control metrics have not been that good. You look at Lopez, he has a 13.7% K rate over his last 15 games. That just does not cut it. He gives up way too much contact. Um, And so I'm just steering. I'm not steering clear of him. Like He's a speculative ad in very deep leagues if you really, really need it. Um, but I'd be going Hirano, and I actually think there's a chance that both uh, that um, Hirano gets traded and Archie Bradley. Uh, I was listening to uh, it was a great podcast this morning with uh, Scott Gensted and uh, Brian Slack this morning, and uh, Brian mentioned Archie Bradley's skills having improved. I took a look at that; he's actually got a 26% K-minus walk rate over his last 15 games, so he's at the point where you know I think he's got like what one more year of arbitration or something like that. They may be more willing to go to him now. So any of those three could end up with it. I like Hirano's chances, probably Bradley after that. Um, Lopez, you know, speculate if you will, but I just don't like to go after closers that have that poor of skills, like close to league average is fine. But when you're throwing up a 13.7% K rate over 15 games, that's just, that's like a really good hitter. (laughs)
1: Exactly. Yeah. um, Archie Bradley's been actually really good over the last month or so, like you're saying. And it's really kind of been like bringing back the old chance. Basically, they've wanted Archie to close there forever, the fans, that is. And Mm -hmm. um, now they might get that wish, like you're saying. I saw a lot of people on the Yoan Lopez train. His stuff is really good. But like you said, he's cheap. He's under control. This is not what the Diamondbacks do. Um, And sometimes, sadly, you have to look at the logistical nature of a team. To make some decisions here, and Hirano makes the most sense to me as well. I think he's 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 proven he can close at times over in Japan. Uh, he's he's been looking good of late, as you mentioned with all the stats there. So I, I would go Hirano too if Lopez got some. It wouldn't shock me. But like you said, Bradley could kind of be the sneaky one that might get in there if he's hanging around and uh, could get a save or two because he's been back to that Archie Bradley of older the playoff run a few years ago. So don't hate that at all. Um, Texas Rangers. They sent uh, Domingo Herman and a couple, or not Domingo Herman, um, a couple other other players down to the minors. And Willie Calhoun got the call back again. With Joey Gallo on the IL. Um, he's already gone deep once since he's come back. Hitting has never really been the major issue with Calhoun. It's been defense and attitude. Um, what's your thoughts on Calhoun? For I guess this is like his third or fourth chance with the big club.
2: Yeah, you know, I think he has some really intriguing skills. That's not a surprise. Uh, League average plate discipline, but borderline elite contact, 95% in the zone, 86% outside the zone. That's a really, really nice um, foundation to build off of. And then he's hitting the ball hard, 42% hard hit rate. It hasn't shown up with the barrels yet. So he's not making that elite contact yet, 4.5% barrels per plate appearance. Ground ball rate is low at 37%, which is solid. So he's got all of those kind of foundational skills that you see outside of the real strong quality of contact. But a lot of times what I look for is that foundation to make sure that it's there because there's a ton of variance and variance in kind of the batted ball metrics, just because, you know, people swing and and get pitches thrown at them a lot more than they actually put balls in play. And so the sample sizes are smaller. So you see more variance. So, you know, if he has a great game tomorrow and has two barrels, that barrels per plate appearance is going to hop up you know, two or 3% and already he looks like a different hitter. So really like to see that. I think he's going to get at bats against right-handed pitchers uh, while Joey Gallo is out of the lineup. It looks like that could be for a decent chunk uh, of the season, uh, whether or not he plays against left-handed pitchers. I am not sure. I haven't, I haven't seen, uh, but I think he's worth a look definitely in deeper leagues, even in 12 team leagues, you know, especially if you have like a daily format where if he's getting, um, you know, when he's uh He's out if he's not in a, in a if he's out of the platoon against lefties something like that you can kind of mix and match him I think Calhoun um, has a lot of value there but I'm really interested to see what what he has I mean if I were the Rangers I'd be giving him every opportunity because I really want to see whether he's a part of the future moving forward um,
0: yeah
1: yeah I'm with you there I really like his bat the defense like I said is the issue I thought the way things were handled this last time after he got a little angry and wasn't very happy about getting demoted. I thought maybe he'd be getting traded. We shall see how that goes. Maybe they still are. But I think they need to, like you said, give him the the run here at the end. See how it goes. He's hit safely in all three games since the recall. He's a very, very talented young ball uh, ball player. And he gets some nice matchups in Texas um, this week. So we might see some big Willie Calhoun games. So it would be fun to see how that all plays out over the next couple of months. Brewers, they need pitching. They acquired Jordan Lyles. I know you've been a fan of Jordan Lyles at times. He had a really rough outing his last time out, like really rough. Um, is there something to maybe like about Jordan Lyles the rest of the way?
2: Um, no, not really. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I actually have been I've been a little bit of a Lyles detractor. I know earlier in the season, folks. Were, well, that's Musgrove. Never mind. Wrong Musgrove. Tyre. Yes, yes. Right, oh Tyre. man, Bubba, you gotta you gotta raise the prospect of Joe Musgrove. I don't know if you noticed, but I dropped Musgrove in our um, uh, in the barf league. I, I 14, did not notice, but I've been family. having trouble. I've been having trouble starting
1: him in TGFBI, so I should probably get ready yeah, to attempt debate mean, there too as well.
2: Yeah, I mean the the skills for Musgrove. I know we're talking about Lyles, but the skills for Musgrove have been okay. But the last start just really freaked me out. The velocity was the lowest yeah. it's been in a while. He only had three swinging strikes. Uh, I covered him on my podcast last week, I think just a really like a red flag for me just in the sense that like a recognition that we're not going to get consistency from him and so a lot of it is yep. matchup based and when you look at his matchups coming up he's got the uh the Reds at Cincinnati tomorrow and I'm just not I just don't know how I how I how I feel about that like at Great America yeah, yeah that's a tough yeah, place like, to throw him into The Reds have been hitting like they put up 11 today against the Pirates, who are a great pitching matchup. And so, if if he does get two starts next week, he's against Milwaukee at home. You know they're going to stack him with lefties when he struggles against the platoon, and then then he's got at St. Louis, and St. Louis has just devoured him this week. So I don't see myself starting him in the next you know three starts, the next two weeks. And so in a daily kind of you know format that that the barf is in. I feel okay letting him go. I'm holding on to him in my 15-team main events. Um, I didn't let go of him in some of my 12-team online championships. I'm not sure why, maybe just because it's so painful. Um, because but, he's a boy. Um, he's my guy. I really think next year he's going to be a good buy because I think folks will kind of be off of him. And I think it's all velocity with him. If he's above 93 on average with that fastball, I think he's a different pitcher. And But we just can't rely on that. So, anyways, moving off of Joey Musgrove. Uh, to Jordan Lyles. Um, I was off of him earlier just because like the, I think, you know, number one, like the pirates are just like the worst place for a pitcher to go. I think just from a philosophical perspective, like Archer has gotten worse. Look what happened to um, uh, what's his name when he went to Tampa, like glass now, like, you know, it's starting to become a trend that when people leave the pirates or go to the pirates, you know, like it's a bad thing for them to go there and it's a good thing for them to leave. I think that's one thing. So like, that is in Lyle's favor, but I think when you look at him, he's had home run issues the last three years. This year is obviously no different with the reduced drag ball. Like that's not going to change. Um, you know, uh, the heat is going to increase as the summer goes on. He's going to be pitching half of his games in Miller's Park, which is pretty much like cores of the Midwest. Um, even that curveball that everybody likes to talk about a lot this year, it's got a twelve point nine percent swinging strike rate. Uh, that isn't great. It's actually lower than league average for a curveball. His CSW is at twenty seven point eight percent, worse than league average. Um, I just don't see much to like about Lyles, and you know, and and I'm sorry for that. No, <laughs> How about I'm you? 100. No, Do you see any, uh, any signs? No,
1: I thought this was one of the craziest weird trades I've ever seen. Like I had, I don't know a team like the Brewers that faces him on the regular. I just don't get it. Now, if you look at it. Um, he's pitched for the Brewers before. Maybe they think they can fix him. Like you said, Hey, when he comes out, maybe he'll do great. Blah, blah, blah. But I don't know. Like what, what I've seen of him lately, it is terrifying, terrifying what's going on out there. So I, that one surprised me quite a bit. Um, I know we didn't prep for this one, but I saw your tweet about an hour or so ago, (laughs) Jason Vargas to the Phillies. If you don't have anything, that's fine. But do you have any thoughts, even just quick thoughts on Jason Vargas in Philadelphia?
2: Yeah, no, I had a, uh, I had some a good engagement on a tweet. I put put out like a tweet that was like, whispers, he's been really good recently. I shouldn't have said really good. I mean, I'm playing mostly. He's been really good
1: for his standards.
2: For his standards, yeah. <laughs> like, I play mostly 15-team leagues, and so for Vargas is a serviceable option, right? Like, as an SP6, SP7, a guy that you play the matchups with, he's, he's pretty solid. I mean, when you look at his skills. The K skills are all better than league average. The swinging strike rate, the end zone contact rate, um, even the CSW, I believe recently, um, at least in the last little stretch, um, is better than league average. He's got a really nice changeup. It's actually the pitch that he throws the most recently, um, and it's a nice pitch, and it gets a decent amount of swings and misses. Um, You know, he he has been benefiting from uh, some decent luck in terms of Babbitt, but he is a higher fly ball pitcher, which is dangerous. He's got like a league average home run per fly ball rate. It's not anything crazy low uh, or crazy high. That might change, uh, you know, going to Philly, obviously. My understanding of Philly is it's a good home run park, but it plays about neutral from just like a run scoring perspective. Um, And so, and I think, I don't think you can get worse than the Mets outfield. Um, I don't know. The Phillies may, 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 may question that. But, um, I, you know, I think it's neutral. He's going to have a better hitting team, so maybe a few more wins. I think he's still a matchup play um, in deeper leagues. I don't think in 12-team leagues, except if it's like a good two-start week like it was last week. Like, um, uh, you know, other than that, I don't think he's useful really, but I do think that he's useful and serviceable in those deeper leagues. And I think you see him. He's nearly 100% owned, I think, in the main event yeah. leagues at this point.
1: Yeah, no, he's been definitely use- serviceable. In deeper leagues, heck, of DFS, I've used him a few times. I used him against the Giants who threw a complete game shutout. Uh, these are the things that Jason Vargas can do from time to time to surprise everybody because he's he's basically a little better CC Sabathia is the best way I can put it for just keeping it in layman terms. Um, yeah. He gets the job done for me, at least visually. That's what I get out of him. Um, let's talk about some players. Are they real over the last few weeks? Are there some players that uh, listeners wanted to discuss? A little bit of both. But uh, Josh Van Meter, when he got called up, everyone was pumped because he was crushing it in the minors, didn't really get it going in the bigs, went down, he came back up, and he's really clicking right now. He's batting fifth pretty much every day for the Reds. He's hit um, in five straight games, now I'm another hit tonight. He's really, really playing well, a little bit of pop. Um, what's your takes on Van Meter early on here because we saw he was – a uh, uh, kind of not expensive, but a f- heavily focused fab acquisition this past weekend?
2: Yeah, I really like Van Meter a lot. I actually, earlier this year in, in a 20-team dynasty league, um, a pretty d- a deep dynasty league, like 20-player 20, 20, 20 minor leagues and then like a full regular major league rosters, I I, I spent like $325 out of $1,000 in fab on Van Meter. Um and have kind of held on to him because he was just destroy, destroying triple He's Obviously, playing half his games in Great American Ballpark, which is which is awesome. But that playing time hasn't been there. But when you look at the underlying skills, they're really good. So since the All Star break, six forty nine woba, which is ridiculous, a five twenty nine expected woba. So he's not doing as well, but still, you know, he's he's among the league leaders uh, since the All Star break in expected woba. But the underlying metrics are re- leave room for optimism. I mean, the O swing is at 28%, better than league average. In-zone contact rate, better than league average at 85%, right around league average. Contact right around league average at 77%. Low ground ball rate at 30%. Very high hard hit rate, 54%. Hasn't necessarily translated from the stat cast data. His, only, his barrels per plate appearance is only 2.5%. Max exit velo at 106.9 miles per hour, so not great there. But again, like he's getting every day at bats in a nice Reds lineup uh, after the trade deadline. If they do trade an outfielder, please God don't play trade Yasiel Puig. I want him to play for the Reds forever. Um, <laughs> no, but if that happens, like he's going to get playing time because he's more a part of the future than Derek Dietrich is, and that's essentially the role that he is taking over. So I think against right-handed starting pitchers, he's going to be in the lineup. He's got dual position eligibility. Uh, the next uh, series that he has on the horizon. Uh, he's got the the uh, he's got Pittsburgh obviously right now. He's got at Atlanta. Uh, he's got the Angels, then the what, then the Cubs, uh, then the Nationals and the Cardinals and the Padres. So not like not anything terrific, not anything terrible. Um, I think overall he's a really solid addition in deeper leagues. I'd monitor in twelve team leagues. I'm actually kicking myself a little bit for not being a little bit more aggressive with him this weekend. It's just so hard to let let go some of the some of the guys on your roster, you know, you turn over spots, but oh, yeah. um, if you've invested in guys, you know, and you think there's the possibility they're going to do well, it's hard to move on for something else. That's still a little bit um, in the air, but I think overall Van Meter shows a really solid profile. I like him a lot. He's actually got a little bit of speed. At least he's shown it in the minor leagues. Not sure whether it's going to translate. Uh, so all in all, a nice package in deeper leagues, definitely somebody to monitor in 12s and under. How do you, yeah. how do you uh, are you feeling about him?
1: I like him quite a bit. I've been using him in DFS a lot. He's been super cheap. Uh, Price has slowly gone up. Like you said, he's taking that D-shirt role that everyone loved at one point in time. Eugenio Suarez left tonight with a back stiffness. So keep an eye on that one. Um, And they should give him everyday playing time because Scooter Jeanette's not even playing every day. They're talking about trying to trade him possibly. They're going to open up spots for Van Meter somewhere out there in the diamond because he can play all over pretty much. So I think that's, that's a really good take here. I wish I was a little more aggressive. Like I said, I was focused more on coolers and other locations this week. But it, it's hard to drop guys, like you said. And One of the drops I made this week, i the, last week I debated it and didn't do it. This week I did it, and we'll see if I regret it. But it's just been such a grind after a hot start. I dropped Howie Kendrick. I finally mm-hmm. dropped him, and that was tough. That was very tough, and it could be the wrong move. But uh, the inconsistent playing time is just really – Really got me. Even when Zimmerman's gone out, now he's still not getting every day at bath with Matt Adams. Are. So it's been yeah. very tough, very very tough.
2: It's it's tough to drop those guys who who have performed for you. Like I was the same way in our barf league, uh, in our 14 team league. I actually dropped Garrett Cooper. Not because I think Cooper's all that bad, but you know he's riding a he's he's ridden a very high babbitt. He hasn't been as good over the last month. And at this point in the season, you're really looking for guys who can help you in the categories that you need. And so like, that's something to really look forward to. So if you're in a batting average league, Cooper's super, he's great to have. If you need power and speed, maybe not so much, you know? And so I think that's one thing that folks need to be thinking about moving, moving on here. If you're in Roto leagues, or even if you're in head to head leagues, um, you know, is really thinking about, okay, what do I need? Like, what's my strategy in the playoffs and head to head, you know, that's going to get me like. You know, in the playoffs, like one more category victory than the other team, you know, each week. Or, you know, if you're in roto, like you need to be looking at categories at this point and trying to figure out, okay, where can I close a gap? You know, where do I need to hold on and making, making, you know, incorporating that into your fab strategy.
1: And that's pretty much what I it was. It's like Kendrick's not playing every day for me and I need guys that can put up runs and maybe help in a couple other things. So I need guys that are playing every day. And that's just, that's what it came down to. It sucks because Kendrick was a huge factor there in the start of the season. Like you said, played so well. Um, and I, I gave up, or I didn't give up. I dropped him. Hopefully it doesn't come out to bite me, but it, it just might. It just might. I wouldn't be shocked if someone picks him up next week and reaps the rewards. So that's just the way baseball goes in fantasy baseball. Um, let's talk about the Dodgers, the guy I picked up in Fab. We got him for 8 bucks in TGFBI. I was pretty pumped on that. Uh, Will Smith, the Dodgers announced he's going to be, well, they, they kind of announced, they kind of didn't announce, but he's supposed to be their primary catcher. He's supposed to catch three to four games a week, uh, split a little bit of time there with uh, Austin Barnes. He's been very effective since coming up. He had 20 home runs in the minors this year, at 20 home runs in the minors last year. There's a lot to like with this kid because people, you know, coming into the season thought Kyber Ruiz was the number one catching prospect for the Dodgers, and Will Smith jumped over him and is taking the reins right now. Uh, what's your thoughts on Will Smith? Because obviously, as I said, I grabbed him. I'm a big fan. I had a double tonight in Coors. What about you?
2: Yeah, I mean, I would have loved to have more than Will Smith. I got him in a couple 12s. I tied uh, Ray Murphy from Baseball HQ and TGFBI. I think I have like $56 left in that league, and I have Gary Sanchez. So he was injured. Cool. I put in a bit of 11 bucks. He put in a bit of 11 bucks, but I'm ahead of him in the standings. And so he ended up getting Will Smith, which was um, which was a total bummer because I really needed it for that league. He's been awesome. Seven fifty seven woba, seven twelve expected woba since the All Star break. Again, we're dealing with like a little bit more than a two week sample size at this point in time, so you know the the expected numbers are pretty high. And I think Smith has has less than ten plate appearances heading into uh, tonight's game uh, against the Rockies. Uh, But I really like what I've seen so so far in a limited number of plate appearances. The plate discipline is there at 24%. That jives with what he did in the minor leagues. I think he had about a 14% walk rate. In-zone contact rate, 91%. Total contact rate, 73%. That also jives with what he did in the minors where he had a K rate under 20%, um, which is really nice. Low ground ball rate, that reflects what he did in the minors as well. 26% so far in the bigs. 47% 47% hard hit rate, really, really nice there. The barrels per plate appearance at 8.4%. Again, very small sample size. The max exit velo at 104.6 mile per hour isn't great, but again, small sample size that may increase. Just for folks who are new, who haven't heard me do this spiel before on my podcast, the reason why I include max exit velo is because exit velocity is a skill. And so there's some guys who can put up really, really high exit velocity numbers, and that is something to look at even one batted ball, for instance, there's, I think, 30 guys, I call it the 115 mile per hour club. But like, there's 15 guys, or 30 guys in all of baseball who can hit the ball 115 miles per hour higher. That is that is a skill. Not everybody can do it. There's very few people who can do it. And when you can do that, you know, then the only adjustment you need to do is like launch angle, if you don't already have it. Whereas like, if a guy just can't hit the ball hard, then he's got to make even better contact than that other guy. So anyways, that's the reason why I include max exit velo when I kind of do some of these analyses is because I do think that it tells us a little bit about what the power potential and what the exit velocity potential is of some players. But again, it's a small sample size. Um, Again, all of this lines up with what he did in the minors. I think moving forward, he's a really, really nice catcher. I think he's a catcher one uh, for the rest of the season. I think David Roberts, uh, I heard that he... Um is gonna get like three out of five starts moving forward, something like that. Um and so psh, I'm all in. I give you kudos, Bubba, for picking him up in in uh in in TGFBI because I think he's gonna be really good moving forward.
1: Yep, drop Josh Fegley. That was pretty easy. So I'll take that one. I wanted him in the barfley. got well outbid on him in that one, did not come close in that one. But um let's go to another catcher, Travis De he's technically a catcher, he's a first baseman. He's all over the place now. He's hit safely in six of his last seven games with three home runs over that stretch. He's, um, you know, meet the Mets. You leave New York and magic happens. He's slightly (laughs) outperforming some X stats since the all-star break, but nothing too out of this world crazy. Maybe there's more to it than that. What are you seeing on Travis D'Arnaud? Because people are loving it. They're riding the wave right now. But we haven't seen consistency out of him ever. Can we buy into him now?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think I think he's on a bit of a heater right now. Um, you know, 459 WOBA over the last, uh, since the All-Star break, a 403 expected WOBA. So that is very good um, for uh, DRno. Like, that's, you know, that's really, really good. And so in a lot of ways, he's earned the production that he has so far. But when I dive into the numbers, like, there's a couple things that jump out at me as being just slightly concerning. So the O swing is at 35%. Um, it is better over the last 30 games. So that's really good um, news. But, you know, 35% O swing is when you start to get, like, unless you have really good contact skills like some guys have, like where you swing at every single pitch that comes in the zone. Um, you know, that becomes a little bit of concern. He's slightly below league average in both in zone and contact overall. Uh, his ground ball rate is right around league average at 42%. So it's not like he's hitting a ton of fly balls or he's going to maximize volume, at least so far. That ground ball rate has actually gone up as his hard hit rate has gone up over the last 30 games. Barrels per plate appearance, solid at 6.5%. Max exit below at 113.1 miles per hour. Uh, his home run per fly ball rate is about 20%. Um, it's not that I think he's going to be bad. I think he's going to be good. He's going to be a great catcher moving forward because he's playing every day. I just think he's maybe playing a little bit. This is just kind of a heater and he'll get back down to normal. I expect him to be, you know, about league average, maybe slightly above league average um, for the rest of the season. But um, again, like if you have him in your lineup, you're so happy because you're not getting, you're not having to worry about him playing games in your catcher uh, role. And in some situations, I think it was like, I think it was Ryan Bloomfield I saw. He was starting him last week in his utility spot and he crushed it. So, um, you know, he's a really valuable guy to have in your lineup because of the versatility and because he's going to be playing every day. And for that reason, I mean, he's a catcher one for me moving forward too. What do you think about it, yep. uh, Diarno?
1: Yeah, I'm with you. He's, he's getting it done in this landscape of messy catcher situations. He's definitely kind of been a, a bright light over the whole deal. So yeah, if you got him, you write it out. I don't see it lasting the whole way. Like you said, he's on a bit of a heater here, but heck. Go with it. He's back in the middle of an order that uh, can be a potent offensive time with the fam. And now Garcia. They're getting Kiermaier back shortly. Meadows. That Tampa Bay team can be quite productive. So a guy like Travis De Arnaud, um surprisingly, is, uh, you know, no one would have thought coming into the season this guy was fantasy relevance. I think he's been on three different teams now. But um, here we are in 2019, and he's a, a very top-end catcher, at least for the month of jo- uh, July and possibly August.
2: Yeah, one thing I'd mention, Bubba, too, is that the Rays have a really – they have a lot of off days. They have a really nice schedule coming up. So this week they only have five games, but they got at Boston, which isn't terrible, right? Um, They have Miami for two, and then they have Toronto for three. They have Seattle for three. They have the Padres for three. They have the Tigers for three. They have the Mariners for three. They have the Orioles for four. So, you know what that
1: you know what that smells like? That smells like AL Wild Card Champions.
2: <laughs> we'll see. They got to figure out that pitching, but yeah, I mean, Ooh. like that's a really really nice. They've had a tough little run here. I expect them to get going offensively in the next little bit. So maybe that's a better prognosis than I would have originally had for Diarno just because the schedule uh, is so nice for the Rays coming up. Uh, but you know, I do think he's on a little bit of, playing a little bit above his head, which is fine.
1: No doubt about it. Let's talk to Oscar Hernandez, a guy that I was really big on when the Jays acquired him a year ago. As I saw him in Fresno at Triple A, I liked the skill set. He was up and down, did okay, and they started the year looking okay. And now he's actually playing well, at least the last couple of weeks. Uh, since the All Star break, he's hit safely in all but three games. Went deep again last night. He has since the All Star break has seven home runs now. So we're starting to see a new Teoscar Hernandez out there. What's your thoughts on uh, Teoscar going forward? Because he shook it every tight day at-bats. We've kind of hit on the uh, AL East pitching can be kind of messy outside of a couple big names. So there might be a little little bit of value here for T. Hey Heck, I think he, he had a home run off of Chris Sale the other night, so it's not all a, a,
2: a mess. So there you go. <laughs> it's not just Scrubs, although Chris Sale is uh, – Yeah, did, did you somebody, see Sunday night? Did you see uh, Sunday night? Uh, man, as somebody who drafted him fifth overall in the main event – Ooh. I'm not pleased. Um, would you would Heather, you
1: rather draft Would you rather have drafted him fifth overall or have Mason's injury team?
2: I know, right? Well, the <laughs> thing is, like, I mean, but it's so interesting because, for context, like, in in both of my main event teams, I have really good pitching staffs. Even I have Bowers. I, I or Bowers. I have I have that's and stuff. I have Bowers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And exactly. And I'm about to say, there's a
1: reason that's on your mind. Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. I have Bower and Sale, but I still have like. Cl- I don't think I have it now, but I have like sixty five points, I think, in pitching or something like that. Because even though the aces are struggling, like they're still so much better than everybody else. So is many doing. strikeouts,
1: I mean, they go deep I mean, in
2: games. Exactly, like they're they're um, yeah, they're so much better. Like they're so much better than what everybody else is doing, even though they're struggling. And, and well, even well, the thing been, is like.
1: When they when they get in trouble, sorry, when they get in trouble, no, no, no. it's not so much like yes, their ERA sucks, but their whip isn't back so they're just giving up home runs. They're not like walking yeah. everybody give up a big rallies. They're just giving up home runs.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it's um so anyway, so it's not like it's worked out terribly for me, although my offense is struggling, particularly in that league. And that's more just a product of, you know, just not drafting well from a hitting perspective. You,
1: you mentioned Trevor Bauer though. I can't not go on with this. What what do you give his throw to center field? That was, a, that, was, that was a new level of Trevor Bauer.
2: I know. It really was. I mean, the thing is like, I think the thing that's frustrating is I totally bought into the hype, you know, that he was like, you know, the, I mean, I'm a big fan of driveline regardless. But just like, you know, that he was kind of the, um, you know, that his knowledge Poster of pitching, trials. I mean, his durability, obviously, his volume is just huge, right? And that's super helpful in leagues that are just K-Leagues. Um you know and even even win leagues, like I think he'll be fine in that when it comes to the end of the season, but you know i just I think I bought in pretty strongly into last year and and the thing that I'm really learning this year is that even though guys might have really, really strong skills, it's very hard to repeat uh very poor contact like last year he had a low, a pretty low Babbitt but a very low home run per fly ball rate, obviously that has been impacted by the reduced drag on the ball, but still like. He was not going to repeat that necessarily. Um, And then I didn't see this struggle with the control. So I'm kind of like a frustrated owner of Bauer a lot of places. And so at a certain point, it's just like, dude, you got to start performing and start and stop like having these kind (laughs) of temper tantrums, you know, and like it being everybody else's issue or everybody else's fault. Like, you know, dude, just, I don't know. It was it was uh, it was childish to say the least, but also enjoyable from just a you know outsider's perspective. I don't know how do you what what would you what would you give it?
1: That you, you summed it up there. Yeah, it was childish. Probably not a good spot to have in the game. But I'll be honest, I probably watched that thing a couple dozen times, and I pretty much <laughs> laughed almost every time at a different factor between oh, second yeah. baseman Freeman freaking out, he's getting hit in the head. The, the center fielder is kind of watching it, going, like, "Oh, that's the baseball." And then um, it just t- Terry Francona's reaction, like, basically, you're an idiot. Like, it was – the whole thing was great. I, 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 I like a lot of the quirkiness of Trevor Bauer. There's other stuff that's annoying and I get. But this was kind of one of those, like, I liked it a lot. At the same time, it's probably better for, like, the California Penal League and not for Major League
2: Baseball. Yeah.
1: So, yeah, it's – yeah,
2: it's becoming a tired act.
1: Yeah, that's probably the best way to put it. Tired act, like – be one thing if you're an outstanding, consistent pitcher, but you're not really there right now. But back to the start of this, what's your thoughts on Teoscar Hernandez?
2: Yeah, I know, right? We went on quite the little tangent there, man. That was a, that was a little trip. Um, so uh, Teoscar installs 450 break four fifty nine WOBA, four ten expected WOBA. I think he's also on a little bit of a heater. Um, you know, O swing is right around where it normally is, thirty one percent, slightly better recently. In the contact is the major issue with him, though. This season, 78% in the zone, 68% out of the zone. Those are well worse than league average. Over the last 30 games, those are at 72 and 65, which are borderline unsustainable, um, especially with a guy who doesn't necessarily have like the massive power. Uh, ground ball rate at 39%, that's fine. Hard hit rate at 40%, that's fine. Um, league average for hard hit rate is 38%, so 40% is just like right around there. He's actually, he's normally a stat cast darling, as you know, like one of the reasons why people love him. But barrels per plate appearance only 5.6% this year. Max exit at Velo at 110.5. So, you know, it seemed like earlier in the year he was selling out for contact, um, but wasn't hitting the ball as hard. He's been hitting the ball better, but still struggling with contact. His walk rate has gone up a little bit. So he's like kind of at a like 8 to 9% walk rate and then a 30% strikeout rate. So the batting average is going to be good. He's a matchup play for me. Like this week, I would have him in my lineups, obviously against KC uh, for three, and then Baltimore for four. That is, uh, those are terrific matchups. I pretty much have the Blue Jays as my lineup in every single league. Uh, <laughs> so I was really happy to see Kevin Biggio and Randall Grichuk go off today. Um, that was really nice. So I think Teal is okay. I think he's a he's a matchup play. I wouldn't expect too much. He's going to go on runs, you know, where he hits a he hits a bunch of home runs, and he's going to go on on two or three weeks when he hits like 100 and doesn't have any bombs. and You just got to be comfortable with that and try to play the matchups and see if you can predict when it happens.
1: Segway, you just mentioned his name, Kevin okay, Three for five today with a home run. He's hitting three straight games, two homers in, in or homered in two of those three. Like, I know you've tweeted it out many times and other guys have talked about it. The peripheral stats, all, there's a, Ton of things to look at that show he should be a lot better than he's doing right now. And he led off tonight. I love when I see the Blue days lead him off. I don't think they lead him off enough, mm-hmm. but he led off tonight, and, and it was. I think that's a great spot for him. He'll get pitches to hit, get him comfortable, and go from there. What's your take on Bgio? Because I, I I think this kid's really really good. It's just not happening for him just yet.
2: Yeah, I agree. I'm like borderline obsessed with Biggio, um at this point. I mean, 237 WOBA since the All-Star break, 301 expected WOBA. That's kind of a trend throughout the year, 315 WOBA for the year, so right around league average, but a 347 expected WOBA. So he's been a little bit unlucky so far. Again, it's a small sample size because he hasn't been around for the full year. What I absolutely love is the O-swing, right? 13.4%, tops in the league uh, since he's been in the league. Very, very patient, sometimes to a fault. That's why he has such a high K rate, 29.2%. Uh, despite having uh, better than league average contact rates of 86% in the zone and 77% overall, he's also got a 17.2% walk rate. What What was really funny and what made me put him on the list today wasn't necessarily like the discrepancy between his wOBA well and expected well, but it was just the fact that over the last 14 days, uh, before yesterday, he had like a .088 batting average, but like a two ninety-eight OBP. And I was like, that's insane. Like, that's how much this guy is, is walking. Like, even when he can't get a hit, he's still getting on base, like, better than most of his teammates do. Um, so, ground ball rate is low, 31%. A really good sign. Hard hit rate at 46%. Really nice. Barrels per plate appearance at 5.3%, right around league average. But, again, like, he's adjusting. Like, I think that will get better. We've seen that he's he can hit the ball far, right? Like, he hits some no-doubters from a home run perspective. Uh, he's in the AL East, so some nice ballparks, um, particularly the Rogers Center. I think it plays around neutral, but not a bad place to be a left-handed hitter. Max below 104.6 miles per hour, is not, is not great, um, especially for a guy who's shown a little bit of power so far. But really, really like what I see so far, especially in OBP leagues. I think he's really, really valuable because if he does you know, get into that 250 to 300 range um, you know, for uh, his batting average, what is, what is his batting? I, oh, I just I, mean.
1: took, I just took his page down. It's like, like two low twos, very low twos.
2: Low, low twos. Like if you can get to the two fifty to two seventy range, he's gonna have like a four hundred OBP um with the plate skills that he has. And so for that reason, for the lack of luck, and, and I think right now people like in he's Dynasty. 205, leagues, sorry. 205. 205. So in Dynasty Leagues, at least like OBP ones, even batting average ones, people may be souring on him, kind of like the post hype uh you know, uh stuff and so he would be a guy that I might target uh in longer term leagues just because I really love the profile I think it's very sustainable from a success perspective and it's just a matter of that BABIP and the batted ball quality improving which I think is the last thing to come sometimes yeah I'm
1: with you they're like you nailed it a kid of, of, or I, I shouldn't I shouldn't call them kids but they're kids to me yeah, um, right. yeah we're, so, we're older yeah I was just like they're, they're kids to me like it's ridiculous, but. Um, the, the plate discipline, that is such a key thing. Like you got mentioning, you don't see that at that age very often. And if you keep that plate discipline, the hits are coming. It's just a matter of, of time. So I, I'm all about that that hit tool. And I'm looking forward to how he finishes the year. And part of me kind of like, selfishly wants him to finish kind of low so we get a value next draft season. <laughs> Problem is, exactly. I think we're all going to be on that same page come next draft season. So I don't think the value will really be there and uh, go from there. Let's talk uh, Nick Ahmed in deeper leagues. He's been a nice little middle infield piece especially since the all-star break hitting 313, 373 Wobo over that time frame. Only one home run. He's, he was flexing his muscle a little more earlier in the year, but that's slowing down striking out less than 10% of the time since the all-star break. Uh, what do you got on Nick Ahmed?
2: Yeah, I just threw him on here. He's one of these guys who like the plate skills have been so, so good recently and kind of for an extended period of time. I mean, his O swing now is for the season, 28%. Uh, In-zone contact, 88%. Contact, 81%. So above league average in all those plate skills and actually better than that of late. Like if you go, go look at the last 30, 40 games, the the plate discipline is elite. The contact is elite. He hits the ball on the ground a little bit too much, 48.5% for the season, down slightly recently. The reason I threw him on here is because I was looking... I. So what I often do is I'll have like a leaderboard where I look at O-swing, in-zone contact, contact rate, hard hit rate, ground ball rate, fly ball rate, and then like the actual uh, walk rate and K rate. And then all the, um, it's like a custom leaderboard that you can create on Fangraphs. And then the production for the last uh, 14 days. Like I just look it up and um, he stuck out because over the last 14 days, he had a walk rate above 18%. And a K rate below ten percent, which is insane, right? When you have a walk rate that's twice of the K rate, and even though it's fourteen days, it's kind of extreme. And so it really tells me like maybe something's going on with him. Maybe there's something happening where he's kind of hit that level where he's getting really comfortable. I think when a guy has that type of a foundation from a plate skills perspective, you know, if he can lower the ground ball rate a little bit with which with his bat to ball skills, like hopefully he can do that. The hard hit rate has actually been decent. The barrels per plate appearance isn't great, but with that happy fun ball, like, you don't necessarily do that. Max Exavilo's <laughs> mediocre at 108.3. I mean, there's home run hitters who max out at that. Like, I just think that there's something going on there that's super interesting. And so more so in OBP leagues, but then also in average leagues. I think Ahmed moving forward um, is going to be, um, you know, an interesting um, uh, an interesting piece Um, If you look at his uh, schedule moving forward, they got um, uh, the Yankees the rest of the season. They have uh, Washington, then they have the Phillies, they have the Dodgers. Now, you might think that's a bad matchup for Ahmed. He actually hits a lot better against lefties. Exactly. So against the Dodgers, it's not terrible. Then he's got at Coors, then he's got four against the Giants, and then against the Rockies again. And so overall, a pretty favorable schedule for the next little bit. So if you're, if you're in a deeper league, you need middle infield help. He's also has six stolen bases this year. I think he could do a lot worse than Ahmed. And I think he's a guy who one of these days is kind of going to take that next step where, you know, not do anything crazy. But, you know, where he, he um, you know, he, you could see him with like a, you know, an under, a well under 20% K rate, like a walk rate above 10%. Uh, a solid batting average and then maybe 20 home runs 10 stolen bases which would be incredibly that valuable especially in deeper leagues so he's a guy that I'm just interested in because of that kind of extreme small sample and some of the broader trends I've been seeing in his profile
1: yeah he's always an interesting player like he has his moments every year and when the power comes around to really become a fantasy asset but like you said if looking for average OBP that'll be there especially as the season goes on they make some trades Maybe he gets moved up in the order even more or something. So, something to definitely keep in mind with Nick Ahmed. This one's for you, Alex Chamberlain. Listen up. Uh, Mike Talkman, uh. your boy. He played pretty well his first time up, went back to the minors. The second time up now has been really good. He's played in 11 games since the All Star break. He's hitting eight of the 11. He has seven uh, extra base hits, including two home runs, hitting 444 with a 522 Woba. And. Right now, Brett Gardner's back on the IL. No, no idea when Giancarlo's coming back. Uh, there's going to be playing time for Talkman for the foreseeable future. I remember I grabbed him the first time around. He wasn't available the second time around for me. I think he's fantasy relevant, especially in deeper leagues. What's your thoughts on Mike Talkman? Uh,
2: yeah, I mean, I think um, I think there are a couple uh, things. So just from like a skills perspective. Um, and it was actually, I think it was Sammy Reed who actually suggested it because he picked him up in Barf League this last year, I think, or this last week. Um, uh, I've been getting dizzy, like watching, uh, me and him are going back and forth in second and third place right now. Like every single day, uh, somebody new is there in Barf. Um, so 528 Woba, like you mentioned, since the all-star break 372 expected Woba, uh, the plate skills are really nice. O swing at 23%. Uh, For the season, in-zone contact at 84%, contact at 78%. Um, Those are all really, really nice. I think in OBP leagues, that's really solid. Ground ball rate is at 50%, though. I think that's one of his weaknesses and the quality of the batted ball. Hard hit rate at 29% for the year. Barrels per plate appearance at 4.7%. Max exit below at 109.8 miles per hour. Uh, That's fine right there. The ground ball percentage is down 5% over his last 15 games. That definitely bodes well. Um, but he's still not hitting the ball that hard, 31% hard hit rate over that period of time. You know, the StatCast data is is good, but not uh, great. Um, uh, and it doesn't necessarily have to be all the time because he is in Yankee Stadium. So that's just one thing to factor in. But one thing that I did want to cover in his last 15 games, Mike Talkman has a 545 BABIP and a 25% home run per fly ball rate. That's actually down... He had a 15-game stretch with a 40% uh, home run per fly ball rate, so that doesn't necessarily uh, have to come down. Um, I imagine that he probably hits the ball pretty hard um, when he hits the ball um, in the air. Let's actually see um, 42% hard hit fly ball rate. Um, so I think there's been a lot of luck in addition to Talkman having some really nice plate skills. But again, like like even though it's luck, he's in the Yankees lineup. It's a great lineup. There's tons of guys that are on base. There's not a lot of pressure on him. He's playing in Yankee Stadium, so you can get home runs without necessarily crushing the ball, Um, although it does take some away to center and and left and right center. But, you know, overall, I think he's a solid pickup in in deeper leagues, better in OBP uh, than in average leagues, riding definitely some uh, really nice batted ball luck here. But, you know, overall, he 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 is solid. Um, I just, I just yeah, ask no, Sammy I, to make sure that he rides him when he's in his Babbitt funk. Um, in addition to when he's
1: <laughs> and, like you said, your OBP is big and that's barf. So uh, that that helps out quite a bit there. Let's move on to Austin Nola, not Aaron Austin Nola of the famous Seattle Mariners. I've seen it when I looked to go pick him up. I think in some leagues he's catcher eligible and first base eligible. Mm-hmm. So that makes things a little interesting. Fangraphs has him down to his first base. But since the 84, 4 four ten Woba, um, six extra base hits, including two home runs, I looked at him quite a bit. I couldn't pull the trigger because I just don't know what to think of this kid. But he's getting the job done. He's getting every day at bats right now. So I'm kind of already kicking myself for this, looking at his numbers even more. Maybe it's a facade, maybe it's not. What do you have on Austin Nola?
2: Yeah, um, Nola, I'm trying to see. I don't think he He must not be. I'm trying to see if he was catcher eligible in – um doesn't look like he's catcher eligible in NFBC. Oh, you want to know something? Probably, somebody probably drafted him. I think he is in NFBC. I think he's catcher in first base. But I'll check Anyways, as you mentioned, 415 Woba since All-Star break, 311 expected Woba, so definitely outperforming that. But still, a 311 expected WOBA for somebody with catcher eligibility. I mean, if it's just first base, then you're not really interested. But with catcher eligibility, that's something. O-swing, 27%. That's solid. Z-contact, 87. Contact, eight seventy eight. Both better than league average. Ground ball rate at 36%. That's also nice. Nice hard hit rate, slightly below league average at 35%. Barrels per plate appearance, way down there, 1.4%. Only one barrel and three home runs. That's a little bit of a maybe kind of... Outperforming uh, so far, max exit below one hundred four point eight miles per hour. So not much to write home about there. So some solid foundational skills uh, so far that he's been able to show um, in the big leagues. I think the quality of contact leaves a lot to be desired. That's why I didn't go after him as a catcher, even though I needed catchers in a couple places. The quality of contact just hasn't been there so far. Uh, it may be that he can be successful without it, but um, you know, at this point in time, I'm not super interested. But as a catcher, too, with good matchups, uh, certainly. And then I just continue to monitor him. And if he he performs well this week, maybe he's worth a little bit of a bid uh, next week.
1: Yeah, no, looking at uh, TGFBI right now, first-base catcher eligibility. So makes things a little more interesting. When I saw the catcher, it got my attention a little more. Definitely. All right, let's go to the pitchers for a bit here. Marco Gonzalez. It stood out to me because outside of giving up six runs against the A's on July 16th, it's been three earned runs or less since June 7th. He's been quite effective, especially in quality start leagues, but just in general. He's not walking the world. He's getting five or more K's in most starts. We've seen stretches where Marco in the past has been fantasy viable. We've already talked about CeCe Sabato. We've already talked about Jason Vargas, some kind of mediocre guys Is this more of a a Vargas type guy or just more like a Jordan Lyles type guy, Toby?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, I've never been a huge fan of Gonzalez. His skills are just not, he doesn't strike out like a ton of guys. He doesn't walk a ton of guys either, but last year he really got hit around pretty, uh, pretty good, um, throughout the course of the year, looking at his last five games, um, You know, swinging strike rate at eight percent, in zone contact at eighty-seven point two percent. Even his um, he last year he had a really high O swing. This uh, last five games twenty-eight percent, so worse than league average. Zone percentage worse than league average. First pitch strike rate better than league average, but overall like the skills aren't terrific. When you look at his uh, year, uh, his wOBA versus expected wOBA for the full year, it's like three eighteen wOBA. 314 expected Woba. So definitely useful in your deeper 15 team leagues. But I think under that, I'm not super um, interested. Um, over the last, over the same last five games, 28.6% CSW. So that's right at league average. That's fairly um, solid. So I think he's like a good deep league option. But I always think because he gives up so much contact, I think there's always a big. Risk that comes with guys like that—that that they get blown up—and I think we've seen that happen to him at least a couple times this year and a couple times last year. And so I think that's kind of the tight rope that you walk. And so I'd, I'd play him as a matchup guy, um, you know, and then in fifteen-team leagues, you know, you're starting him most weeks and you know sitting him against the the worst matchups. But not a not a ton for me um, in uh, in Gonzalez. I don't know how do you how do you feel about um Gonzalez in general
1: it's pretty much a streaming option I I can't trust him to go out there and face just anybody if it's a a right-handed power heavy team I'm going to be terrified Uh, even though he's been okay versus righties but still that's where the thumbs got come from it it, it's definitely a streaming thing with Marco Gonzalez that um he goes through ways I guess I've 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 rostered him in years past it's just you have to know that eventually the bad one's going to come you just hope there's more good than bad. So mm-hmm. if you really need to save your ratios, probably don't throw Marco Gonzalez out there.
2: Yeah. The one thing I'd say about um, him is, is the, yeah. the whip shouldn't be terrible just because he does walk very few guys. Yes. Um, and so that's that's one thing. But, yeah, the ERA concerns me a lot.
1: Yeah, big time. Uh, Jacob Junis, a lot of people grabbed him recently for a two-step. Uh, he got beat up big time against Cleveland his last time out. prior to that, he was great at Cleveland, great against the White Sox, great. Two of runs are less than three of four, five Ks in all four. He's a 312 ERA and a 397 XFIP. This is the month of July we're looking at. He's been very, very effective of late, um, very up and down year. The velocity is getting a little better, like we've seen with some guys. Big time ground ball guys. So the spike in, in uh, strikeouts does stand out quite a bit when you look at him. When you're when you're looking at Jacob Junis' uh, X stats and more peripheral numbers, is there something to be intrigued about this is similar to Mark Gonzalo's where it's like situational pitching?
2: Yeah, I, I'm just not – I don't think there's anything going on with Junis except for a little bit of luck. Even when you look at his skills, for instance, like last five games, his swinging strike rate is actually down at 9.7%. Um, his in zone contact is up at close to 89%. His first pitch strike rate is cratering. It's at 52%. Uh, O swing is down at 38.8%. Uh, his zone percentage is 41.7%. So on the K metrics, he's well below league average. Um, and then on the, um, uh, on, on the control metrics, he's also below league average. So his CSW is at 26.9, um, percent uh over uh since july 1st so in his last five starts that's below league average as well so i think it's more a situation where he is getting lucky you know he's never a guy who has managed contact um super well um before and so i think it's just a matter of time before he um before he blows up because the skills don't indicate that there's any type of uh, breakout that's happened um underneath uh, underneath some of the maybe more successful stuff, um, since the uh, All Star break, he has a 305 WOBA, but a 339 expected WOBA. So that also supports the fact that he's just getting lucky. That it's not really skill uh, that he's showing so far.
1: Uh, this this one intrigues me. I'm really curious to see what you have to say because every time he's on the mound, he's a potential you know, streamer for DFS or you target him with every bag under the sun. And it's literally a 50-50 chance. You're going to get one of those rights. he's either been really good or he gets destroyed. That is what Daniel Norris does. It's one or the other. It's rarely just like a mediocre six innings, three earned type start. Rarely. Every once in a while, but rarely. You've tweeted some stuff out about him. What's your take on Daniel Norris? Because – they seem to get added with the two-step week this week and I'm starting Danny Norris for two steps. <laughs>
2: um, so he, he has a two-start a week next week, actually. Um, this week oh, okay. he's only got one. He's at, uh, the angels, uh, for one. So it's not a terrible matchup. It's not a great matchup. Uh, but, uh, next week he has the white Sox and the Royals for his two-start week. So that is really, really nice. Um, Norris was the guy that I picked up the most in my leagues this past week. Um, since the All-Star break, uh, similar to um, our good friend Reynaldo Lopez, his velocity is up um, about two miles per hour since the All-Star break. So in his last three games, he's averaging close to 92 um, on his fastball, which is, you know, that's not spectacular, but for a lefty, um, uh, it's solid. But the skills are all really, really nice under the surface. His O swing is at 34.1%. First pitch strike rate at 66.2%. His zone rate is fine. His walk rate is at 5.9% over the last three games. Again, it's a very small sample size, but the reason why I chose that is because that's actually, there was like a dramatic, or not a dramatic, but a pretty big bump in his velocity after the all-star break. It just jumped up to that 92 range, and then his last three starts have been there. Um, From a strikeout perspective, his call plus swinging strike rate, 30.8%, 30.8%, so better than league average. Anything above 30% is, is really nice. Swinging strike rate at 12.2%. In-zone contact rate is at 86.3%, but falling. K rate at 27.9%. You throw that together, the K-walk minus rate over the last three games is 22%. That's really, really nice. He's got a change-up that he's been using um, more often. Uh, it's an excellent pitch, a 45.1% O swing and a 19.9% swinging strike rate. He also has a slider that's decent. So he's got a couple pitches, one that he can use against righties, one that he can use against lefties. Um, He's got the fastball velocity up. He's got the relatively nice schedule over the next three starts. Uh, So I figure there's a lot worse guys to go after. I expect him to be a decently targeted guy next week. And I think a lot of times in fab this time of year, you got to look a couple weeks out um, and identify guys. And so I picked him up in a bunch of places. I'm starting him in some leagues where I'm, you know, like I'm starting him over, over Joe Musgrove against the Reds. Um, that says it all. I uh, no, That God. says it all. Um, but, um, you know, Norris uh, uh, is a guy that um, I really like. And potentially moving forward, I think the Tigers, you know, uh, um, for all their faults, there are some pitchers, you know, you look at Spencer Turnbull, you look at Norris, you look at uh, Boyd, who have kind of taken the next step a little bit this year. Uh, so maybe Norris is the next guy who does that down the stretch here.
1: That'd be nice. He was once a, a highly heralded prospect, came over in the David Price deal. Like there's a lot to like about Norris that besides the fact he used to live in a van and shave his beard with a with an ax, there's a lot to like about Daniel
2: Norris. Hey, so. dude, I didn't know about shaving a beard with an ax. I would have put in a bid a little bit higher if I had known that. Yep, yeah, just um, Google it. It's pretty cool yeah. stuff. <laughs> um, one thing I forgot to mention. So over those last three games, one of the reasons why I think he's not widely owned He's got a 337 WOBA over those last three games. So that's pretty poor, but his, he's got a 282 expected WOBA since the all Star break. So again, expected WOBA isn't predictive, but it does show that um, you know, with the improvement in the skills, he's been a little unlucky. So whereas we might've seen an improvement because of the improved K rate and the improved walk rate, um, you know, we didn't necessarily see that because he got unlucky. So maybe he can uh, have a, the luck shift a different way and he can produce here over the next couple weeks.
1: All right, the last pitcher we're gonna talk about here, I'm very intrigued by it because I put bids in for him, didn't get him anywhere. He hasn't he barely ever gets to five innings. He strikes out everybody. Does love giving up home runs though too. So it's really a mixed bag of emotions. When you talk about Jose's four as the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, and it's been that way pretty much all season with the kid, what are you seeing when you look into Jose's numbers?
2: Yeah, um, I I I like uh, Jose Suarez as well. Just as like a total non sequitur, just as something funny. Um, we're we we're, uh, we're babysitting a rabbit right now, and nice. uh, uh, my wife, while I'm doing the podcast, was uh, try was was uh, teasing me with the rabbit over there. <laughs>
1: it's like, you can bring the rabbit on the air if you want. It's okay. We can.
2: Uh, the The rabbit doesn't talk. That's the problem with rabbits. They also try to eat. Every single thing, like, around. Like, I had no idea what having a rabbit was like. And we've been house eating <laughs> the rabbit for a week. The thing, like, tries to eat my shoes. It tries to eat our wicker baskets. It tries to eat so it's the it's smaller goat. It's like, yeah. All it does is, like, go around and, like, try things to see whether they're actually food. Um, nice. Uh, I'm looking forward to the rabbit thing, but don't tell anybody that. Who's a big rabbit fan. My wife is a <laughs> rabbit fan. Um, anyways, uh, so Jose Suarez, um, uh, she's looking very disappointingly at me right now uh, because of that. Um, <laughs> Jose Suarez, uh, we'll move on to fantasy baseball. Jose Suarez, so his five-game rolling average, like you said, like he strikes out everybody. Uh, 13.3% swinging strike rate, um, so really nice there. His in-zone contact rate is at 83%, so better than league average there. Um, His first pitch strike rate right around 58 point or at 58.4 percent. So a little bit worse than league average. Uh, O swing a little worse than league average at 30.0 percent. But over that period of time, K rate borderline 30 percent, 29.7 percent. Over the same period, uh, his walk rate is at 8.9 percent. So overall, close to a 20 percent K minus walk rate during that time. He's been really lucky since the uh, the All-Star break and really through the course of the season. For the season, he's got a 374 Woba, but on a 304 expected Woba. Since the All Star break, it's a 376 Woba on a 284 expected Woba. So, very, very unlucky. The key for Suarez is his changeup. It is a nasty pitch, over 50% uh, O swing on that pitch and a 22.9% swinging strike rate. Anytime somebody has that type of an elite offering, I'm really, really intrigued. Obviously, the innings are very low. The fact he doesn't get the five innings, uh, that often is a little bit um, concerning. But if you're in a deep league, you need Ks, um, you're maybe hoping for kind of that gem that comes out of nowhere. I think that Suarez is going to be a really um, uh, intriguing guy uh, moving forward. He pitches on Wednesday this week. Uh, so I think that means that he is lined up for, uh, let's see, it looks like is he going to get a two-start week next week? Dun, dun, dun. This is the moment of truth. Uh, next week. It does not look like he's going to get a two-start week next week. He'll be um, at Cincinnati. So the week um, after? The week after. But the week after that, were you going to say it?
1: Yeah, I think okay. he gets a two-start the week after, yes.
2: Yeah, and it's Pittsburgh and the White Sox. Uh, and Pittsburgh is one of the – That is appealing. Is all get up. It's very appealing. And that is um, – uh, so maybe in the next fab period, he might be worth not one for next week, but the week after that. Um, and the Pirates, I think, are one of the worst teams, if not the worst team against lefties this year. Um, and so he, Jose Suarez is a lefty, right? Or did I just make that up? Yeah, he's a lefty. Uh, okay. Yeah. This is what happens, like, uh, full disclosure, when you've never watched a guy pitch before and you're just looking <laughs> at the numbers. You're like, I'm pretty sure he's a lefty. But... So he's a lefty. Yeah. and So that's a really nice matchup a couple weeks out. So maybe in this fab period, if you're in, like, a deeper league and you're looking a couple weeks out, he might be a really interesting guy um, to target.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna be curious to see how much he goes for it because the kid is good. Just keep the ball in the ballpark. We'd be real happy. Um, you mentioned Fab. Let's give a quick recap of this past week in TGFBI, Fab, your NFBC, whichever you prefer. Um, I'll just kind of go through the the names we haven't really talked about yet uh, in my league, and if there's anybody in your league that stood out, feel free yeah. to fire away. Uh, Archie Bradley went for a fortune to Matt Thompson. Matt Thompson's really good at, at going for fortunes for guys asking about Nate Lowe. Nate <laughs> Lowe. But um Brad, yeah, Bradley went big. We talked about him already. Uh, a couple guys we talked about last week, Ashro Wojciechowski, Jose or Kitty went this past week. Uh, one guy we didn't talk about today with the Sergio Romo trade. Rumor has it Nick Anderson's gonna be closed and he went for $15. Runner up $12 in my league. I think I bid like seven bucks. That didn't quite cut it um nick anderson still might get traded too so keep that in mind but uh Mm -hmm. the kid's pretty
2: hello Oh, i'm still here
1: oh sorry do you have anything on nick anderson
2: it, it, it cut out a little bit there
1: okay um nick anderson's supposed to be getting the saves uh do you have anything on nick anderson in miami
2: uh, Not really. I mean, obviously the skills as, as well-documented has been, have been really, really nice. 17% swinging strike rate on the season. Uh, just really nice skills overall actually been, a, a, looks like pretty unlucky um, uh, so far this year. Um, you know, I, I think it's going to be a committee in Miami. Um, I think they may trade him like you mentioned, but I think I just don't get the sense that they're going to commit to one pitcher in that situation and so because it's the marlins save opportunities are going to be limited as they are you know in 15 team leagues i think you know it's obviously fine to speculate especially if you need saves but i don't see him getting a ton of saves uh the rest of the way yeah they gotta win
1: games for that to happen um we talked will smith already uh with the dodgers Mm -hmm. danny duffy he's kind of a popular name he's been pitching well of late he went from five bucks to um, our good boy, Jeff Erickson, good buddy, Jeff Erickson for five bucks. Uh, Mark Conner went to Doug Thorburn for six bucks. Juan Lopez went for $3. Other than the Hernandez went for three bucks to the Kenneth Lee, who's one of the top guys in all of TGFBI and Nick Ahmed. He went for a buck, just like you were talking about earlier to our boy, Colin Weatherwax. So, uh, anything else there pop out to you? Because it was, you know, it, there was action, but it was kind of a quiet, just kind of filler type, take some gamble weeks in my league.
2: Yeah, I mean nothing really that um uh that stands up. Like we talked about uh Nick Ahmed there. Um you know, I think him being on the waiver wire is is nice to have that um uh in a in a 15-teamer. So nothing that really like jumps out at me um uh of those guys that's, you know, like particularly interesting or that I was particularly in on. All right.
1: then. if uh, anything else in your leagues that stood out uh, that got added this week or you're good on the fab front?
2: Yeah. I mean, like in TGFBI, uh, in the Champions League, it's always nuts. Um, like every single week, like we had 30 players that were picked up, I think probably this week, something like that. Um, some guys that kind of stand out a little bit, um, uh, John Heglin picked up Elie uh, Sir Hernandez, uh, which is a favorite of mine. He didn't go five innings, but he pitched pretty well. He's got a nasty slider and has pitched really well uh when given the opportunity outside of a uh, when he was in the bullpen and he got absolutely shellacked against the Nationals one game. Um he's a guy that I like um if he sticks in that rotation. I didn't go after him because he's got some pretty tough matchups coming up, if I remember um correctly. But um again, like I think he's a decent matchup, especially at home in that ballpark. Um uh James Anderson went with uh Sam Dyson, I think looking uh to get the backup uh, to Will Smith, who the latest reports I've heard 90% chance that he and Bumgarner stay, um, which is interesting. Um, you know, and there was a there was a really interesting conversation that I thought was great that um uh that Scott and Brian had earlier today, just about like the fact that we shy away oftentimes from closers because we expect them to get traded mid-season. Um you know and Will Smith definitely dropped and I got him in a lot of places because he dropped because folks were worried that he was going to get traded right away. Now sometimes they get traded right away and it happens, but if you know a guy is going to be a closer even if you only get 2 or 3 months, oftentimes the most stressful time of the season for saves is early on in the season because if you fall fall far behind, it feels like you can never catch up. And so having that kind of like comfort there of having an actual closer to start the season And then, you know, around this time of the year, like there's a lot more opportunity to speculate and a lot of more opportunity to get some cheaper closer bids because the, you know, fewer guys are paying as much attention uh, because, you know, um, uh, some of the guys at the top maybe have solidified closer situations. I know in a few leagues, like I've got three or four closers maybe, um, and I'm alternating them week to week, and I'm not really bidding on any guys unless it's like a Liam Hendricks, who I think is super, super good. So uh, it was just a really interesting conversation. I think moving forward, I think I would definitely recommend that because we have so much turnover in our rosters in the middle of rounds that uh, you know taking a chance on a really high-skilled closer who's got the job that we're worried about is going to get traded. You never know what's going to happen in the season. Uh, Drew Smiley was a guy who ends up getting a two-start week this week uh, because Nola pitched on Sunday. Um, he is a decent option. He pitched well in his first game with uh, the Phillies. Um, I would be very interested to see how he does in his two starts this week um, because we know that there's some skills there. Yohan uh, Lopez, uh, Danny Salazar. How much, was how much
1: did, real quick, how much did Drew Smiley go for in your league?
2: 21 with a backup of five. That was to Ray. Uh, I got him for HQ.
1: I got him for a buck with no backup bid.
2: Yep. Okay, I was, yeah. Okay. I was just
1: curious what he went for because it's crazy in every league. It's so different. So yeah. I was wondering there.
2: Lopez went for 21 bucks with a runner up of 18 in our league. Danny Salazar went for 19 to our buddy Smada with a runner up bid of two. We get to make fun of Smata for making that bid and overbidding to that extent just because we don't have the updated TVFBI um, uh, stuff. I'm just kidding, Smata. You do, do a ton of great stuff for the fantasy baseball industry. I'm not complaining at all. Ignore me. Uh, Brandon Dixon got picked up by Brant Chesser. Matt Wieders got picked up. Uh, you know, with the Cardinals for this week, um, Trevor Rosenthal got picked up for the Tigers. I think he's on now because he got an opportunity when Shane Green didn't pitch. Will Smith, that brutal 11 to 11 bid, went to Ray at Baseball HQ. Josh Van Meter went for 11 bucks to with a backup of six to Eddie Am- uh, Amalger. Um, Brent Chester got Willie Adamas for nine. Um, uh, Frank Stample got Gio Urshela for six. Uh, Ray at Baseball HQ, Nicky Lopez for six. Kenyatta Storin got Jaime Barilla for five. And Jose Suarez, so he's no longer available in the Champions League for next week. Yeah, great. Uh, for five. Yoshi Hirano went for four uh, to Adam Ronis. Frank Stample nice. got uh, Austin Nola for three. Uh, got also got uh, Alex Young for three, who we covered last week. Matt Tice for two. Dwight Smith Jr. for two. Uh, Mark Melanthan for two. Uh, wow, a lot of turnover there in that roster. Uh, Brian Slack got Thanks. Connor Menez for two. Yeah, uh, boy like Connor that. Menez, who we covered, I think, last week. I yeah, got Daniel I liked it. Check this out. I got Daniel Norris for two bucks, and I had a backup bit of one. Perfect bidding. Nice. Yeah, nice. It's always nice when that happens. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. Tim Beckham to Stamfold. For one, Johan Camargo, like, Archie Bradley. Did Stanford so get a whole new team? He, I think so. Um, <laughs> I, but I mean, to tell you, like, I mean, I think he is—he's near the bottom. But that just shows you how hard people are fighting. Like, people are still oh, yeah. really putting in the bids, which I think just goes—you know—a kind of it. credit to folks uh, who are continuing to fight in leagues. Um, yeah, Johan Camargo, Archie Bradley, Joe Ross, Brandon Crawford—nice pickup there. I got Stephen vote for this week uh, to replace Gary Sanchez because of the at Philly and the um, at Colorado in Coors series that's coming up. Um, So I think I should get four of those six games in two nice ballparks again with right-handed pitchers there. And then Pedro Severino also went to clay uh, for Austin Barnes. I know he was probably heavily in for Will Smith um, in that. So a lot of bidding in the, in the champions league, a lot of low, low bids there, but um, some interesting guys. Uh, who are going um, for sure. Yeah,
1: busy, busy time. So yep. can't wait to see what happens next week. But that wraps us up for Bubba and the Batflip episode two. Another fun one. Lots of players discussed per usual. Uh, any final thoughts before we wrap it up, Toby?
2: No, Bubba, as usual. Thank you so much for your patience as I, uh, <laughs> as I talk and talk and talk. Um, uh, it's a lot of fun. I mean, it's great talking baseball with you. I'm really excited to be doing the show for a second time and to continue doing this uh, moving forward. Really appreciate everybody's feedback. Um, also letting us know the players that you want to cover. We're able to cover some, not all. Um, but, yeah, best place to reach me at BatFlipCrazy. Uh, really, really, um, really enjoy uh, being uh, being on the podcast with you, Bubba.
1: Yep, me as well. Feelings are mutual. Really, really enjoy chatting with you, learning from you, and just talking baseball with you in general, like you said. So everybody check out Toby on Twitter at BatFlipCrazy. As he said, I'm at Bd Intric and keep sending suggestions in. Like like he said, we won't get to all of them because we have some other ones we already wanted to talk about, but we'll, we'll sprinkle your guys in as well. And if we didn't get them this week, maybe we'll get them next week. Uh, you never know, baseball it's a streaky game. But uh, keep the, the stuff coming. We'll be back with you guys next Monday for episode th- edition three of Bubba and the Bat Flip. But until next time, this was episode two. Catch you guys later.